Well, good morning. Welcome to Lifestone Church. I'm Pastor Ben. We're very excited to have you guys here this morning. If you're new with us, uh, we love having guests. We love having new people. Every week we see new families, new faces, and we just want to say thank you for coming. If you didn't grab a gift in the lobby at the New Here area, we just have some information we want to give you about what we're about and, and just say thank you for being here. We're glad that you're here this morning. Um, today we're going to continue... Uh, the book of Romans. That's what we've been walking through as a church. I've absolutely loved going through this book. A powerful book. Many people have, have claimed um, that this uh, has been for many uh, leaders throughout, throughout Christian history the most impacting book uh, for many of the great leaders in Christian history and just so powerful because it clearly lays out in this very kind of systematic way, here's the good news. Here's the great news. Here's the best news ever. This is who Jesus is. Here's what he's accomplished. Uh, and, and so as we walk through it, I think it's been that kind of powerful uh, book for us. Um, and, and we, I guess it was last week, I'm trying to remember, uh, made a huge transition in the book into Romans chapter 12. And so we're going to look at that this morning, but before we jump into the message, um, many of you walked in this morning, it was kind of funny watching some of your faces going, where are the donuts? <laughs> and I saw the panicked look on some of your faces, and, and some of you even turning and going, we're going to the donut shop. And people saying, wait, come back, walk a couple steps further. So, uh, I, was this two weeks ago, we actually shared with you kind of this plan that we have. Here's our goal at Lifestone, to reach as many people as we possibly can with this good news that I just talked about. Uh, to, to do anything in our capability to, to, to make, provide the space needed, if, if, that's, if that's what's needed, to, to do whatever we can. And so, um, as we have big dreams about... Um, about adding significantly more space in the future in, in a possible relocation. In the meantime, God is just bringing more and more people to us, um, especially as fall and school comes back. We, we, we just get overwhelmed, especially in the kids' areas, with needing space and wanting to love your kids. And, and, and so what we presented to you two weeks ago was kind of a short-term solution to use our building as effectively as we possibly can. And so last week, we had three guys fly out here from Texas. Man, these guys, amazing. The, the guys would say, hey, yeah, I'll drop everything I got going on, uh, and, and I will love some people in Utah and help them share Jesus by uh, getting on an airplane and coming out here and putting in 12-hour days for, for the most part of a week um, to do something that people said, you can't do that. Because um, that's if you guys hung out with me very long, that's what I like. Well, I don't know. I may need to pray and, like, repent about some things. When people are like, you can't do that, then I get, I get that kind of thing, you know. It's probably some competitive. I'm like, oh, yeah? <laughs> so um, even a couple of days, well, yesterday, people were like, you can't have church in here. But you guys are so awesome. People came in here, cleaned up. We obviously have some work to do. Some of you guys are new here this morning. You're, you're kind of putting the pieces together of what I'm talking about. But just this last week, we just made significant changes in, in that part of the building and uh, created, ultimately, we're creating another classroom for our kids. 
And then our, our, uh, one of the greatest things is separating the ages so that they're more age-appropriate. And so they can learn at a, a, a more effective level. And, uh, and we can just relieve the pressure of some of the kids' areas. And so it's going to be tremendously helpful. And in the meantime, we're adding some flow into the lobby as we have lots of people trying to come in and out on a Sunday morning. So all that to say, I know I shared with that with you two weeks. We just do it. And so um, we had some guys from Texas come out here. Let me do this now. I, might, I was like, I'll do this at the end of the service. Um, there's a church in, in Texas uh, FBC Corinth, um, that has been incredibly generous to us. They've sent out uh, groups of teenagers, their youth group out here to help us run our kids camps that we've done the last couple years. Uh, this year, uh, they came out and just worked with lots of different ministries around Utah and worked with us. And uh, they, um, this is the church that also sent out men to come and just give up a week and work their tails off and then they did something really surprising as well. Um, they, uh, the pastor of the church uh, let me know that they were uh, collecting an offering for our church. They just believe what God's doing here and believe this area needs to be reached, which it absolutely does. And I was so excited. I was like, man, any resources we can get, you guys are going to collect an offering. And, and I'm talking to some people on our staff going, you know, hey, we probably have an extra $500 coming our way. Like, you know, if there's something out there that we could really use, they sent us uh, a check for like $10,000. So, um, yeah, overwhelmed. That was my response. Like, oh. Um, And so this is kind of unusual this morning, totally not planned. But the pastor of that church is with us this morning. And so Pastor Bruce and his family are here. Thank you, guys. <clears throat> I know Bruce. He's like, you did not have to do that. <laughs> but many of you guys know Kish. We see Kish almost every Sunday morning. Um, and that's Kish's dad and family over there. And so, and so thank you guys so much for loving people in Utah and loving our church family. We really appreciate it. Um, so let's jump into Romans. Let me pray. And, and we'll, we'll get into it. God, we love you. We thank you for a chance to come here and to worship you. Lord, I pray you would uh, direct our hearts and our minds here at this moment. So often we can come and just make things about us and our experience and what we get out of it. And, and God, I pray that uh, we would just shift our thinking here this morning to focus on you and to reflect on you and, and the truth that you want to teach us this morning. God, I pray that you are honored as we look at your truth and look at your word this morning. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, guys, um, as we're working through this book, we come across a a portion. We kind of flew through uh, this chapter in Romans. And and I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and focus on some of the things that are in this chapter of uh, Romans, chapter 12, because it gets very practical. And... um, as we're going to focus on some practicality that I'll be really honest with you, I don't love preaching on, but I feel like God's changing and, and working on my heart and convicting me. And I'm going to preach a, a sermon on giving this morning. I'm giving you a moment to get stand up and walk out. <laughs> Please don't do that. 
Like I said, not one of my favorite things, you know, and I always think, oh, we got new people every week. Because sometimes I think, well, let me preach it on a Sunday when it's our people and they kind of know our heart and we're not like, oh, the church is just out for your money. But every week new people come. And so I can't, I can't pick a week to, that, you know, that doesn't happen. So, but here's my conviction. This guy, Jesus, that we kind of base everything on, he preached about giving and money and finances all the time. Kind of like one of his top, if not his top uh, topic that he hit and taught on. And so if Jesus did that, there's a really important thing uh, and reason why that is addressed. And so I hope you see in a biblical way um, why that's so important. And, and like I said, we are going through the book of Romans here. When I was in high school, I took Japanese. Yep, I usually get that response. Like, <laughs> I was in a small town in Nebraska, grew up, and I took Japanese. Why did we offer Japanese? I don't know. We had this satellite, and they, they piped it in from the University of Nebraska on the other side of the state. Uh, it was funny. I remember sometimes me and my buddies, we'd, we'd get snow, Nebraska, and we'd, like, throw snow on the satellite, big satellite back then. I'm old. Um, trying to make sure we didn't get, you know, so we'd have a day off. Because Japanese is hard. So why would I take a hard class? Why would I be taking Japanese? Because... Especially in that time, it was like, hey, that would be a great skill to have in business to make a lot of money. International business, you know, just one of the top economies then. It was just, especially they, they were just kind of the economy in the world that seemed to be doing so well. That's the reason. I, from an early age, wanted to set out to be financially successful. Uh, I grew up in a, in a large family of seven. Uh, my dad was a teacher. Um, for, first, uh, for my childhood, he was a missionary, and then he became a, a, a very low-paid teacher. And um, we struggled as a family, and I didn't love that. And I thought, I'm going to make money uh, when I grow up, and that was one of my big goals. And so I thought, hey, the Japanese will help me out. And... Um, then God did some crazy thing in my life, and he took me into ministry. And I was like, ah, this is the last thing in the world that's going to accomplish my goal. And, uh, but, but God took me into ministry and changed my heart about money and based on his word and his truth. And I'm so glad he did. And I think there probably are people here this morning who need to have God's perspective on money and giving and stuff that we have. And so at the very beginning of Romans 12.1, I'm going to throw it up here on the screen. We won't have a lot of verses here on the screen this morning. But it begins in the New Living Translation by saying, and so, um, or, or in the NIV or, or many other translations, therefore, there's this transitional statement that starts this chapter because for 11 chapters, it's, We are broken and sinful and rebellious towards a perfect, loving, holy, awesome, amazing God who our relationship is broken with because of our rebellion, because of our sin. And guess what we can do about that? Nothing. And Paul goes through, if you've been with us the last few months, our our good works won't help us. Being religious won't help us. Our... our, um, national uh, background or our, our, um, uh, our, what word am I trying to think of, um, our heritage 
uh, our nationality won't help us, um, that God is good and holy and perfect. And that's how man approaches God, thinking that being a good person or doing a bunch of religious stuff or being, uh, or, or being born into a certain group, that is what's going to make God happy. And, and Paul just very clearly points out that, that nope, you're, you're out of luck. You cannot on your own be made right with God. But, and then we get to Romans chapter 3, God came to us and did what was necessary for us to be made right with God. And it's just incredible. And it's more incredible knowing our true situation because many people don't know how bad that situation is and think, well, I stand before God. He's going to be like, yeah, you're a pretty good person. There's a lot worse than you. But no, that's not our situation that we're all very broken and and our sin uh, separates us from this holy God. And so then the solution comes in. It's so exciting. We talked even more about that last week. And, uh, but all this laying out to chapter 12 to saying, this is how we respond. And this is how we discover what God created us to do and, and discover his perfect will for our lives even as, as chapter, the beginning of chapter 12 goes on to say. And we see this pattern in the Old Testament as well. In Deuteronomy, there's 10, 12 chapters that that calls God's people to be generous people and to respond to God in this way that doesn't seem normal because it's not how natural people would respond to the community around them. So in Deuteronomy, God's people are asked to take care of orphans, to take care of widows, to take care of strangers and just look out for other people's needs and be generous in taking care of them. But what, what God uh, follows that by is remember what I did for you. Remember what I did for you in, in giving you, getting you out of, rescuing you out of bondage that you were in in Egypt for 400 years. So here's what I've called you to do. And so we get a similar thing in Romans Here's what God's done for you. We're, we're completely unable to approach God and be right, right with God on our own. But God came to us, not different from every other religion's way of trying to be right, right with God. God did it. He came to us in the form of Jesus, and he paid the price on the cross that we deserved. And now... Remember what Jesus has done for you. Remember how God rescued you. Here's how you respond, and here's how you live differently and think differently because of that. And that's what Romans 12 walks us in through, that we, we, we love differently, as it talks about how we love in very specific ways. And, and we uh, think about things like, yes, money and giving differently. And so in Romans 12, 6, let me give a little context to Romans 12, 8 is really just what I want to focus on this morning. Um, in his grace, Romans 12, 6, it's not on the screen, but I hope you can follow along with us. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with it, as much faith, faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. It goes on in verse 9. Don't just pretend to love others. 
really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying when God's people are in need. Be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Um, this calls us to think differently about all these, these topics and specifically uh, being generous, even specifically giving and, and with our generosity is mentioned in this list. Um, so here's how we need to think differently. I totally messed up this morning and I meant to ask one of you guys, well, here, no, that, that won't work. So in the first service, I asked someone to give me $100. Someone have $100 I want to give me? And Kenny, I don't know if you guys know Kenny, he stood up and handed me $100. It was awesome. And then, I need to do this. Bruce, here's some tips on what you can do. I'm in the lobby, and someone else who was ready and couldn't get there as quickly as, as Kenny could in the early service said, hey, well, we were ready, so here's $100. I was like, no, 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 that was just part of what I was teaching and stuff, and they wouldn't let me give it back. So, anyways, I'm not going to ask you this morning, but Kenny gave me $100 this morning, and now I have $200, actually, in my pocket. Um, you guys think I'm kidding. Here's, the, this was in 20s, and then, can you hold on that? No, no, don't hold on to that. I hope I didn't lose the other. That would be bad. No, it's here somewhere. Maybe I threw it in the... Okay, that's weird. (laughs) Did I drop it? Oh, I didn't mess up, did I? I love that. Someone wants to help me out, and so Camden just gave me $100. Thank you. Thank you, Camden. I thought I forgot to, yes, set this up. Okay. All right. Moving on. There's my $100. My brain. We have a baptism afterwards. I'm very excited about it, but that's what I'm thinking about. All right. So, um, all right. Hey, that's good because this is all I need. I don't know how to spend that much money. So, I'm going to hold on. Thank you, Camden, for that $100. Now I'm at $300. All right. This is awesome. Um, Let's pray and go. I'm good. That's all I wanted. No. So we think differently. Number one, here's how we think differently about money. Number one, think uh, this is about management, not giving. I want you to think real quickly. The God of the universe who spoke every person in here, everything that is into existence, this eternal God who who has existed forever, uh, the the attributes that that he has that we can't even wrap our brains around, that he's all-knowing, he's all-powerful, he's all-loving, he's... uh, This God, guess what, doesn't need anything from you. Well, duh. But don't we often think he does? Aren't we kind of like, hey, I got a buck here. I'm going to throw it at him at something that might represent him or try to teach people about him. Check me out. I'm so generous. You're welcome, God. And he's up there going, thanks. I I was short. You know, no, this is the God of the, he prints, he's got his own printing, money printing machine. 
I was at the bank the other day, and some kid came in trying to deposit a bunch of counterfeit dollars. It was really interesting. I talked to the bank manager afterwards. I'm like, how'd that all go down? Anyways, uh, I'll tell you about that later. But um, God is, he, he's God. Let's get a big-sized view of God. He doesn't need our money, but he's asked us for a very specific reason to manage his money and to worship him with how we use money, and the way that we use it can be a tremendous blessing to us and others. Um, and so this new mindset is not that we're giving. So, so this isn't a message about giving, and I'm not just trying to be technical and get out of that. I truly want you to think differently how we should think about giving because it's not ours in the first place. And so giving it is not a big deal. So when I completely messed up my whole illustration and forgot that I gave Camden $100 before the service and asked him to stand up when I said, did someone give me $100? And he gave me the $100 awkwardly after I messed it up. That whole thing, you know how easy it was for Camden to give me that $100? Pretty easy. Why? Because it wasn't his in the first place. I handed it to him right before the message. Isn't that an interesting concept to think about? Well, here, here's another way. If, if someone this week said, hey, God placed this on my heart. He wants me to do this. He want, here's $1,000. We'll do it to Camden again. Hey, Camden, here's $1,000. I'm really busy this week. Would you take that and just find people in need and just meet their needs with it? You know, and, and there you go. And that'd be a fun week, Right? And what kind of attachment or what kind of, how would you feel about giving that money to people to help meet their needs? That'd be pretty easy, right? Because someone else gave you that money. Well, if you change your mindset as we're to renew our minds in response to what God has done in our lives, you understand that everything that you have, all of your material possessions, all of the, the numbers in your bank account, everything that you have is ultimately from God. I worked hard for that, though, Pastor Ben. Yeah, but the air you breathe to work hard to do that is given to you by God, and you're created by God, and the world around you, whatever you use to make, we've talked about this several times. It's all from God ultimately. So if you have that mindset, you can have the kind of generosity that God wants you to have, and have the kind of joy that he wants you to have in being generosity if God gives you those opportunities and allows you to do that. Because, hey, this isn't mine. I'm not going to cling on to it as though I'm going to find my hope and my joy and my happiness in clinging on to this and doing something for me. This is God's. And if he's directing me to be generous and meet a need or something, awesome. Hey, it's not mine anyways. But somehow God, he's blessed me and he gave it to me. And so here you go. And so just that's number one. How do we renew our minds and think differently? We talked last week about thinking differently, how we love people because of how God's loved us. This is how we think differently about being generous because God has been incredibly generous, of course, to us. Number two, it's about how much of God's wealth we keep for ourselves. Now, this is similar to the first one, but I think sometimes we have to maybe rephrase or rethink about things to really have it drive home. That if it's all his, then he's just asked me to be a good steward of it. Sometimes that's just a churchy word that we use to be a trustee of this fund 
that God has blessed us with, and we're to manage it. A trustee of a fund, they they are given very specific instructions on how that fund can be used appropriately. And God has given us guidelines of like, hey, everything you have is, is God's, and you have the joy and the privilege of being able to manage it but here's some guidelines to make sure that, that it's done in a, in a way that, that will be the best blessing for you and for others and for God's work. And so it's not about how much of God's wealth. And in our culture, oftentimes we may get a paycheck every week. Or I'm sorry, maybe every other week, maybe every month, depending on your scenario. And it's not, okay, I have this paycheck. Now, how much of this might I tip God and, and, and have an idea of how that may make God happy with me. No, that's not. As believers, we think differently. That when we walk through all those amazing blessings that God gives us, when we put our trust in Jesus, all 11 chapters of God forgives your sin by putting your trust and faith in Jesus. He gives you the righteousness of Jesus credited to your kind of account of righteousness. So you have this perfect righteousness credited to you as a gift. He gives you spiritual gifts, right? He gives you himself, the Holy Spirit, indwelling you and living in you, guiding you. He gives you spiritual gifts to live out what God wants you to do and to be a part of his work. Like he's given and he's given and he's given. And and as we, we receive all this incredible gift of God, uh, we, we change our thinking and we understand, number two, that it's about how much God's wealth. It's not about how much we're keeping with what he's blessed us with, but, but uh, how much we keep for ourselves of what God has blessed us with. So a little different way when you get your paycheck, however you get it, is, okay, this is all from God. He's done everything for me. So how much does he want me to keep of it? Uh, number three, generosity is the key to unlocking the ownership myth. And I call it a myth because that's the, very, that's the case, that everything that you have, and sometimes we put, we put our um, confidence in, we put kind of um, where we stand, our worth often can be in what we own. Um, and, and the Bible tells us, no, we should have a different way of thinking and to get rid of that deception or that myth of we're, we're valued or life can be measured by what we have, the only way to, to get rid of that is to be generous because as God has been generous to us. Um, and then practically, like how do we be really good trust, trustees? How, how can we be the managers that God's called us to be? In Matthew uh, 25, I want to share with you four passages and we'll walk through some of these quickly. You have homework. If God is like stirring in your heart, like, hey, maybe I should take this seriously. Maybe I should, should approach finances and money. Instead of being trapped into what everyone else is trapped into, God's got a better plan and a better way to do this. I, I encourage you to, to, between you and him, come up with a plan based on his truth, what that looks like. And so... Um, the first one in Matthew 25, this one I won't read through because just sake of time, but, but give you some homework. Uh, Jesus te- teaches a parable about, about three servants who are given different amounts uh, to, to be good managers of. And that's what we're talking about. Like, what does this practically look like in our lives? 
One, one servant's given ten talents, uh, just a form, a, a denomination of money, basically. One's given five, and one's given one. And the story goes, as the master returns, the one that's given ten did a good job investing, multiplied, and took the resources that he was entrusted with and, and had a great return on them as he invested those wisely. And the second one did a similar thing, uh, the one with five. And the one with one, and this shows, I think, that God in his wisdom blesses people with different opportunities and different resources. Not that he loves someone more because they have more. That's not the case. Sometimes we know that having more can be a burden and not give us joy and satisfaction that the world uh, thinks we, we, can, uh, we should have. Uh, do a little study on people who win the lottery. Most of them, their lives completely fall apart, and they wish they never won it five years later. So um, the, one, the, the one that gets in trouble or there's disappointment with how he managed the money is the servant with the one talent because what he did was he dug a hole in the earth. Uh, earth it's what the Scripture says, and he buried it. And he thought, okay, well, that's, I'm just going to like keep it and bury it and do nothing with it, basically, but it will be safe. And, and what he basically is doing is investing in the earth in a literal way. Like, I'm going to just think about the here, the, the, this earth, and, and now, and, and, uh, and he literally just kind of doesn't invest in things of eternity, things that, that will go beyond what he's given. He just keeps that one talent that he has. And the disappointment is that he was given these resources in order to, um, to do something wise and manage them well, and, and, and he didn't. He just kept it uh, and didn't use it how, how uh, he was supposed to use it. And so I take from that whole principle, trying to wrap this up quickly, it's just that God asks us, he gives us wealth, some of us more, some of us less. That doesn't, that's not an indication of his love or or not love or disappointment with you, but how, what do we do with it? Do we think about things of eternity beyond just this earth and digging it in a hole and just, you know, focusing on the here and now? Or do we use it to, to have more, to have it multiply into more uh, influence, which is eternal? Um, and then Matthew 25, I do want to read this one quickly. Matthew 25, 34 through 40 says, Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from, from the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you cared for me. I was in prison, and you visited me. And we get this picture. If you grew up in church, this might sound kind of familiar. Pretty well-known passage of, of this picture of standing before God in eternity and, and him reflecting now here's the beautiful thing we get this information before we stand before God in eternity but this idea of how we worship God by being generous and taking the care, care of needs of others then these righteous ones will reply goes on lord when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing when did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you. And the king will say, I tell you the truth, when you did it to the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. You cannot love God without loving people. 
it, it, it's the, the pattern and the understanding and the renewing of our thinking that, that, that we see throughout Scripture. That there's this powerful moment that we stand before God and give an account of our lives. And what we're based on being adopted into God's family and being saved or being made righteous is based on faith alone in what Jesus has done. But what we're talking about is responding and living a life in response to what God's done. And there will be a moment when we stand before God and reflect on what we do as, as a response to that. And what this says is we love God and we're generous to God and we show kindness and compassion directly to God by loving other people, especially people who are in great need. And so just, hey, as I'm a manager of God, the things God's given me, I should be wise and I should think about investing in eternal things that are beyond just here in this earth. And um, when I help the needs of others, that's how I show God love and worship him uh, in a very uh, practical way of meeting needs. The last uh, uh, two here, Luke 12, um, then someone called from the crowd, teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. I think this is interesting. Here's Jesus teaching, thousands of people listening to him. He's speaking spiritual truths that people are just blown away by. And what happens to this, these two guys here are fighting over the family inheritance, and they completely drowned out this incredible spiritual truths that Jesus has been teaching and is teaching. Because that's another thing that money can do, us being consumed with thinking that money's going to satisfy everything we, we, can, we, we lose what's truly important. And so here's Jesus in front of him, and, and he's, hey, people are listening to you. We're fighting about this. Jesus, tell us. Jesus replied, friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, beware, guard your heart every, uh, against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. You want to talk about thinking differently. That could be the bumper sticker of many people in our culture. Life is measured by what you own, what you have, your possessions, what toys you have. Then you win, right? Verse 16, then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have enough room for all my crops. And he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns, build bigger ones. Then I'll have room for enough to store my, uh, my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friends, you have, you have enough stored away for years to come. Um, now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool. So here's a passage to remember. How do I be a good manager? Don't be a fool. <laughs> this parable directly says this is foolish to put your trust and your thinking in this kind of uh, way of, of, of using your resources. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. First Timothy six seventeen through 18 says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money. All right, if you're rich, Sit down. Okay, good job. Because where we live, let's be honest, people on the lowest spectrum of the economic ladder in our culture are ridiculously rich. 
Now, I know we may not think that because we like to compare ourselves, and sometimes we're not content. And that's another wonderful principle that's not part of what we'll tackle this morning. But, but we are so blessed that, that I think when we read this passage, we better like go, okay, wow, God has placed me in a time, in a place, in a, in a, in a, you know, in a country, in a state, in a city where we are so incredibly blessed that, man, we, we, can't, we can't say, oh, that couldn't be us. That is definitely us. But here's the danger we have, I have, you have, is that we put our trust in our money, which is so unreliable, it goes on to say, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Now here's what, and it goes on to say, then tell, uh, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. So those are four just principles. There's so much teaching on giving in Scripture that I had a hard time going, well, here's four real quickly, and we're trying to kind of go through them very quickly this morning. But this last one I think really hits and applies to us. And we've been so blessed, but with that great amount of blessing comes this great opportunity, or you might put it this way, the great responsibility to be a generous people. Like God's blessed us with so much, we better truly be generous people and manage all that he's given us well. It doesn't say don't be rich. If you really love Jesus, you give it all away and you can't have any kind of enjoyment for being blessed in, in that way that God wants you to be. No, it doesn't say that at all. It just says if you are crazy blessed, and we are in human history and, and even today in our location, that we have a greater responsibility to take it and be crazy generous with it. Um, and, and just the last thing I put in your program there is application. And I just, there's a cringe factor that can come with talking about money and uncomfortableness. And the whole idea of this is not to try to, to condemn anyone or to place guilt on anyone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are made right with God, not based on our performance, but based on Jesus and what he has done. And he lived a perfectly generous life. And this incredible gift of salvation, part of it is that we get the credit uh, for the life he lived. And so there's not, there's not a condemnation that I, I'm trying to share with you this morning. I'm not trying to guilt you to give more money to our church. Um, if people... Uh, gave in a generous way, we would probably have a lot more resources. I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if I should share this. Um, I was really surprised coming to Utah. We started this small little church, tried to gather some people, meeting in you know rec centers and going off to the high school for a while. Somehow God was incredibly generous to us by giving us the property that we're on right now. And um, as I connected with other larger church groups or groups of several churches around here. I was really surprised as we got connected with them and started supporting what they were doing. We, you, became one of the most generous churches. We're, we're connected to a group of 45 churches in our local association that are in Utah. And, and we're like one of the top giving churches in, in this group of 45 churches that, that have been here a long, long time. And that really surprised me. Uh, we support another organization called Loving Utah, and I, th- I think there's over 100 churches connected to that. 
we're the fourth biggest giver of that of that uh, you are the fourth biggest giver of that organization and we're like brand new and we're just you know I feel like this small little church and there's something I think with the incredible wealth that God has blessed us with in our area we can actually tend to be you see this in churches in the New Testament actually feel like like have a harder time letting go of it and so thank you for being a generous church and and if God calls even more of us to be more generous, not, not out of guilt or anything, but just, I want to live like this. I want to think differently about stuff. I want to invest in things that will last. Um, what God could do through that would be amazing. Again, he doesn't need our resources, but he's chosen to operate and work uh, within that kind of system. And so here's two other principles in application. What does this look like? And this is for a lot of people who Christianity following Jesus is brand new. So two quick things. Um, and I'll even ask the band to come on forward as I share these with you. Uh, the first thing is we see in Scripture a first fruits principle. We talked about it a little bit. But that we don't give God what's left over, but we understand it's all his. So instead of saying, well, hey, if there's something left over, I might give God a little bit towards his work. It's saying, no. I'm going to give him the first part of the resources he blesses me with. In our culture, it's taking that paycheck at the beginning of the month and going, okay, God, what do you want me to do with this? And, and that's a different way of approaching it. But it does two things. It says I'm trusting you to provide my needs going forward instead of going, well, if you provide my needs, I may share a little bit with you. And um, it's making what priority should be uh, in place. Um, and it's recognizing that it's his. It's his, and that's a principle that he's given us to follow. And the other thing is, don't say it, Pastor Ben. Don't say it. You're going to say it. Tithe. There's this principle of tithing. It has been so abused. Um, and many people, especially in our culture, have tied tithing to, to how you're right with God, how you're worthy with God. You'll find there nowhere in Scripture. But just the principle of how to be generous, because honestly, I've had new believers come to me and say, God has changed. I don't care about stuff. God's changed my heart, but God's given me some stuff. I'd like to like be a part of what he's doing with it. What, how do I do that? Like, I want to start giving. Like, should I give $5 or $5,000? And, and, and I don't want anyone to be legalistic about this or anything, but the principle of giving to God is this concept of tithing, which means 10% of what God's given us. And that's between you and God. I'm not going to try to use that to, to guilt you or anything with, but that gives us some kind of indication and some kind of principle of how God is leading us to be generous uh, towards him. 